I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you're listening to Two Average Girls. Aloha. I can't believe we're doing this. What are we doing? We are doing it. We are all, we're not in the same room. We're not in the oh. same state. No. You are in paradise and I am in, I think I'm in hell Par- basically. No, I'm in Hawaii. And Denise is in, in the pod room in our studios in Orange County, California. Yeah. California is kooky. Let's just yeah. let's just admit it. We there is some weird crap going on now. I'm just over it. But anyway, I'm here <laughs> and you're there. Yeah. So I won't. I don't want to sound bitter or anything. But it's you're you're not you're not bitter. So we're um, hope, we're hoping that this sounds good. Yeah, I, we're uh, well, see how and it goes. we're. This is the first time that we've tried this, so um, bear with us if there's some tech diffs. <laughs> but it, we had Aiden, our our editor and mascot of the show, help us really, <laughs> really Does he nail really this want down. To be the mascot of the show. He doesn't. I have appointed him the mascot, the 18 year old mascot who walked us through this, you guys, so flawlessly yeah. that he was like, even though he couldn't see what screens we were looking at, he was like, now. And in the bottom left-hand corner, you should have a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, how did you know that was there? Because we were all on different screens. He didn't have any. Anyway, it's great to be an 18-year-old. It's just amazing. He's so much better than the Apple nerds that we called before. They kind of had attitude. Aiden does not. He is happy to do this for us. Well, is he? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, he acts like he's happy. He's not even annoyed by us. He doesn't, at least he doesn't come across as annoyed. Mm -mm. He probably talks about us to his friends and says, oh my gosh, these old ladies are so lame. But (laughs) 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 when we're in his presence, he doesn't sound like that. So thank you, Aiden, for not making us feel like complete losers. Yeah, no, Aiden deserves an extra Christmas bonus. I don't know what that's going to be, but we're going to figure that out, Aiden. Um, We'll try not to be as lame as normal for the new year. How about that? (laughs) That's a good gift. It's a gift that keeps on giving the whole year through. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So we're doing our tag today, and um, we're talking about a couple of different topics that were both on our minds that we thought would be interesting to bring to our audience, and what what happens twice a year we are both members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints in case you didn't know um what happens is twice a year we have what's called a a general conference and what that means is there's every leader of our church which is the president of the church his two counselors quorum of 12 and then there's various and sundry uh, leaders beyond that they meet in Salt Lake City and they televise um, the meeting. They they give talks and it's basically two days of great church meeting and talks and terrific topics that are applicable to our lives right now. And it's something that we look forward to uh, twice a year. Yeah, we look forward to it because church. it's like a feasting of like the word. You can just... It's not just, it's, it's a spiritual feasting, but it is, it goes beyond that. And that's what Anne and I were talking about, about a few of these. There's many, many talks that we could talk about, but one in particular that we really kind of resonated with us probably for where we're at in our lives right now. And I think a lot of people are at that place in their life where I think they're looking for a jump start or something to kind of help them out. But I love conference, number one you get to stay home instead of going to church which oh listen during the covid we got a lot of that but you know we watched conference in my pajamas this morning so that was awesome a lot of people make it a tradition where they just make really delicious breakfasts and stuff and they just have this really great family tradition of being together um and watching um these speakers but um and in particular had one talk that she really liked and and we wanted just to kind of give a little bit of insight on that and and just kind of I just think 
when we were talking about it and after listening to it, I just thought it it was kind of it was a hopeful it was hopeful in a way because I believe that during a time when we're all trying to kind of come out of the COVID, get back into the swing of what we need to do, a lot of us have struggled, me included, on how that looks and what we do exactly. And where where you go about starting, I mean, I've talked about it before, you know, I gained some weight during the COVID. I got lazy during COVID. And <laughs> how do you re how do you remotivate yourself? How do you get to a place where you can go from nothing to something and still feel good? I think and I, I want to compare these talks that we're talking about to a TED talk because that's basically what they are. Most of us are familiar with TED talks, kind of a little a lecture series in front of a university audience or something like that. They are spiritually based, but the the talk that I loved so much although it was based in in spirituality yes there were some lessons to take away from it that i think we could we could all use i wanted to start though by talking about the um the speaker his name is michael a dunn and the reason i he's new as far as being on the the talk circuit to (laughs) put it to sort of put it in the easiest way possible i had never heard him speak publicly uh before so he starts giving this talk and i'm like i like this guy I, he was he was using a lot of metaphors which i love you know and he was saying a lot of interesting turn of phrases and stuff like that so i did a real quick like wiki search for him yeah. or whatever and found his biography he was the general manager of the pbs station that i worked at in utah really same station wow he's one of, of your course, people he is one of my peeps i love you know i i have a passion for pbs and i love pbs because i worked there for so many years but i could not believe it i'm like wait a minute what's happening with this guy so he's based in um like communications is his education field so uh that's right up my alley anyway he's about 63 years old and by all accounts like i said i don't i don't really know him but by all accounts he's a complete stud he and his wife he and his wife compete in iron mans together what yeah and they run marathons together they Uh. they've run something like three or i don't know a number of ultra marathons do you even know what that is yes i do it's it's actually really crazy we have mutual friend uh that well i don't know if you know them but when i went sailing um there was a couple on that that is their runners and he does ultras and i've actually asked him to be on the podcast and he has agreed we just need to figure out how to get him on here because he goes and does this like almost every weekend he does these ultras. We're talking about like over 50 miles. It's 100 miles. Yeah. like It's a 100 mile they can, marathon. Yeah, they do it. And I don't, first of all, I don't know why you do that. And secondly, no. I don't know how you do that. No. But, I, but you saying all of that, you, I usually look up the speakers because I like to see what their education is. I like to see what yes. their background is. I like to see how many children they have. I like to know all about these people. Um, I do that when I watch a TED Talk. I want to know who I'm listening to and what they're about, right? Because, yeah. again, if it's a good talk, it's a good talk. But mm-hmm. it means even more now that you're telling me this because his talk, he started out his talk by referencing the national bicycling teams um, <laughs> in 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 england right in right in the men's cycling team which competed in the tour de france it was a losing team forever well they they were talking yeah they were talking about their the cycling in the uk was so bad for so long that they didn't even bicycling cycling companies did not want to sell their products to the to the athletes because of the idea that if they did they would be it would be an embarrassment and that it would be detrimental to their business if they knew that, that their bike was going to be seen by the world as losers <laughs> these losers we don't want them using our bike we don't want them but to see when- the bike when he really hooked me though was he was talking about those the british cycling team who was just constantly losing they could not win blah blah blah. they kept hiring new coaches new managers and of course these coaches would come in and just want to whitewash the program and just be like that's it we're starting from scratch here's what we're going to do and it that just never worked and so they hired a coach 
a strategy coach named Dave Brailsford, mm-hmm. and he referred to the term the aggregation of marginal gains. Right. Which I, at first I was like, wait, let me think about what all those words mean individually <laughs> right. for just a second. That's but a lot of big words it, all together. It's, it's a lot. A lot of platinum-sized words. It's implementing small improvements in everything. So, it, the, and the title of his talk was, wait, let me see it here. It's um, called 1% Better. So basically what this coach did, what the strategy coach did was he came in and he said, if you just improve things by 1%, you're going to find a significant increase when you put all of those improvements together. And I thought, that is, that is the secret to life. That's the really. secret sauce right there. That's the secret it, sauce. But you know what is so frustrating as a human being, and, and maybe a lot of it has to do with where we live. I mean, Orange County has got a lot of pressure. I'm in a business where there is kind of no margin for error, to be honest with you. Um, It's very competitive. Um, The margins of profit are very small. Um, There's a lot at stake in California because there's so many regulations and problems that when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, how can I implement that in my life in general? And I was like, okay, when he was talking about it, he was talking about that they took a broad and holistic approach to uh the cycling team did the 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 coach did the coach Mm -hmm. that they hired the strategist the coach that they hired uh dave what is it brad's brailsford yeah i think it's dave brailsford we're probably hacking the heck out of the name but um he took this holistic approach by just instead of going across the board and saying i'm going to change everything they were looking at saying that we're going to look at everything that we do which would start from the clothes you wear, the way mm-hmm. you turn the pedal, the way you position your seat, the way your arms are gonna be hold, holding on to the handlebars, the way you, the food that you consume, the kind of exercise you do on the off time. All right. of these things, the kind of sleep you do, what you're taking your supplements. I mean, we're looking at every, they're looking at every little thing. And instead of going, okay, we're changing everything because nothing has worked, we're not gonna do that. We're going to only right. do it by 1% increments. Right. And then when, the you do, thing. when you do everything by 1%, it, it grows upon itself to a place where it's unbelievable the amount of change, right? Yes. And I, I, I not to get completely out in left field, but this is my approach to um, the environment. <laughs> this is my approach <laughs> to recycling. This is my approach to a lot of things that I, I had to start thinking about, I'm like, well, what can I... And it really, you know, like, for instance, we put a pool in our house however many years ago. It's been um, probably 15 years ago. We put a pool in our house. And already electricity in Southern California is super expensive. And so we're like, okay, what are we going to do? With, you know, so we looked into solar. We put in the solar panels and now our pool is heated primarily by solar so our electricity bill didn't go up that much so number one all right we're using solar power rather than taking power off the grid with our electric okay that doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal but all these years down the road you look at the amount of energy you would have consumed versus the amount of energy that you did consume and it makes it a big deal here 15 years later same with the electric car we bought an electric car we put in fake grass not because and i gotta be honest <laughs> once again this is much like my story of uh marching in the fight fight take back the night march i wasn't doing it for the right reasons in an instance like this i don't think it matters the reason why you're doing it we put in fake grass for a myriad of different reasons that i won't go into because it's boring but in the end, the amount of water that that saved, right? Because we don't have to water a lawn. Well, in California, if you do, we don't have enough water to go around. So we're always rationing water and the cost is exorbitant. And And there was a point where we were actually getting punished if we were caught watering our lawns on certain days that it was not your turn to water the lawn. That sounds insane saying it out loud, but it's true. No, I got got a fine for it. I got a $100 fine. Oh, over Mark over at Scooters. Yeah. He 
one of his neighbors, Scooters is like the the mailboxes, et cetera, of Tustin. He's the greatest guy. <laughs> he and his wife, Gwen. Um, they can ship anything anywhere. But he his automatic sprinklers came on, unbeknownst to him, overnight one time. And one of his neighbors turned him in and he gets to work and opens the store and there's there's someone standing there with like a ticket and like lecturing him. So anyway, just because it doesn't matter what the reason is that you're doing it for in the end. We did it because we thought it looked great. and We didn't have to worry about mowing the lawn. But actually, we look like the world's greatest environmentalists. You know, we've got <laughs> we've got solar. We've got an electric car. We've got we've got fake grass. It's all you know, it's all. It's all working in our direction. So that's those little things that don't really mean a lot end up making a pile of, of good things at the end. All these years later, you're like, look at all of the ways that you've saved, especially putting gas in your car. I'm sorry. I hope to never go back to a gas I station know, I again. I hate going to the gas station. It's the worst, especially when it's almost $5 a gallon here in California. Mm-hmm. That's even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just getting back to just the 1%, I think for society in general, and like I was saying before, maybe it's where we live. Orange County has a lot of pressure. California seems to be kind of a you know pressure cooker sometimes. I also think as women that we kind of put pressure on ourselves to be just the right weight to be just the right hairstyle to look a certain way um, especially if we want to gauge ourselves off of Instagram or or Facebook or any kind of social Don't media right ever do that. and I know we have a lot of listeners that are 20 something and this applies mm-hmm. and this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it because we have talked about it in the past with some of these um, generation below us these women who have come up and they have embraced the all right they have embraced taking it back I'm going to be able to do it all I'm going to have a career I'm going to have three or four kids my house is going to be perfect I'm not going to go to bed until it is um and they're exhausted and mentally emotionally physically it you can't keep up with it so how Mm. do you maintain doing it all and we've talked about it we don't personally think that we couldn't do it all and we believe that we've been fed a bill of goods but taking the one percent track and trying to make your improvements to me is is really like a aha moment almost right like it's it's almost permission to say listen it's okay not to run a marathon tomorrow but what if you walked a half a block right right Mm -hmm. i used to train for triathlons the word operative being used to (laughs) <laughs> it is it is a lot of work but I remember mm. I had a father I used to teach swim lessons I taught swim lessons in my backyard for 30 years and I had a dad come to me and he wanted some swim lessons because he was going to be competing in a triathlon and so that gave me the idea what's a triathlon oh that always seemed like the Ironman or something but they have all kinds of sizes of triathlons small medium large so I thought well we could do that and my friends at the time Nadine and I were like, we're going to do this. Right. And so, you know, I had not done a lot of stuff, but I could run. And in triathlons, you run, bike, and swim. So I decided, and I was in good shape, I thought. So I decided to take a run. I ran to the corner of of my house. And now, (laughs) granted, it is kind of big lots where we live, but I ran to (laughs) Dr. Cater's house on the corner and I thought to myself, man, that's a long ways. I must have gone a half a mile by now, right? Because uh-huh. the con- I had no concept of where I was going and what I needed to do, incrementally sure. what it was. Yeah. When I ran from my house to the end of Irvine, to Irvine Boulevard. Your street. Oh, to Irvine Boulevard. All the Boulevard. way to Irvine Boulevard. I had to stop oh, okay. about 12 times on the first run. <laughs> and this was in July. I remember doing this in the heat of the day. Again, sure. not super smart, but having no concept of what it was because I was going for it. How hard sure. can this be? I know how to run. And I can swim. And I can swim. And I can and ride I a bike. Can bike. Yeah. It can't be that hard. Guess no. what? I would have never, ever, ever made it through any of that. And I, I ended up competing in triathlons for about six or seven years mm-hmm. off and on. And it wasn't consistently every week, but it would be about five or six times a year. 
and it would motivate me enough to keep me motivated to work out. But the concept of working out in a in a way, it never dawned on me to say 1%, but it's incremental, right? There right. is a real, if you want to not get hurt, if you want to stay motivated, if you don't want to burn out, you have to take it incrementally. Right. You can't and go there and do that. I literally came home after the very first run and to myself, I thought, I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to no, do this. No, because you couldn't. Because you couldn't I couldn't run the marathon or whatever. I couldn't run a mile miles. without stopping. And I thought, what a loser. I can't right. do this. Right? right. Instead of letting that get to me, though, it motivated me instead. And what I did do, and I didn't have anything high tech. I wasn't wearing a heart monitor. I wasn't looking at a watch that could tell me. I drove my car from where I wanted to go and come back. And I realized where I had gone down to Irvine Boulevard was one mile. Oh, is that one mile from your house? It's about one mile from my house. If you start running from my house and get there, it's one mile. So up and back is about two miles. And I thought to myself, I don't even need anything special. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run to the to Irvine Boulevard and I am not going to I'm not going I'm going to go run up and back and I'm going to stop as many times as I have to and Mm -hmm. I did that I would do that every other day for about a month I would run Mm -hmm. up and back and pretty soon within a month I wasn't I was going farther than that and I wasn't having to stop I didn't put the pressure on myself to be the world's best runner to be the Mm -hmm. world's longest runner I ended up investing in good shoes and a good sports bra. Thank you. That's key. Uh Uh-huh. I ended up getting, you know, the right kind of watch. As I started progressing and realizing these things could really enhance and help me, all of those things, it was a slow progression. And I felt good about it. And every single time I did it, I felt better. Wouldn't that be a great concept to continue with with everything we do? That's the thing. We're using a lot of sports concepts or examples because that's probably the easiest thing to do. I was going to mention my niece, uh, Sydney, mother of Eleanor. Hey. Oh, she is one cute baby. Most fresh. Um, Eleanor Ann. Eleanor Ann. She's so beautiful. I'm just wondering Um, if maybe she has another baby. She wants to name it Dee Dee. Like maybe. Maybe the middle name could be Denise. Maybe we'll I'm, talk to her. About I'm just that. saying. I'm just saying it would be a great little plug. They for seem me. pretty willing to 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 take name suggestions. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Most <laughs> new parents just love it when you suggest names. Oh, don't they? <laughs> um, but <laughs> Sydney is training for a marathon, and I was texting her the other day, and I'm like, "So how's that going? When's the marathon? Well, the marathon is two weeks before Thanksgiving. It's happening. This baby isn't a year old." She's been training for this marathon post baby. And I think probably as a way to, you know, take off some baby weight and get back into shape or whatever. Um, She looks fabulous, by the way. But I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I'm on this great little coaching site. I think, you know, like you can find something on the internet where every time I run, I increase and then I take it back and then I increase and then I go, you know, it's like sort of a little back and forth thing. And I'm like, this is, that's the perfect example of what we're talking about today. She's not, she didn't go out there and try and run 26 miles just straight out the gate. You're just, it's not going to happen. But, you know, you start running a little bit. The other key though, to, I think to just biting off the 1% is to do it consistently. Well, you have to have consistency. Absolutely. That was one of the things that they were talking about, in, that he was talking about in his talk, which was you. the only way that you can be successful at any of this is to be consistent, right? right. You might take one step back. You might take right. one step forward and two steps back, but Correct. you do not let yourself get to a place of complacency where you can't do it, right? Where you don't do something. You know, remember, I think in in school, I used to tell my kids, listen, showing up is, will get you a C, right? Like when you're in college, if you just show up and listen, you just sit your butt in a seat, you are going to do okay. If you You take it to the next level of actually really reading a book, opening that book and actually (laughs) studying, you know, and Mm -hmm. all of these things, but showing up is really a lot of what we're talking about yes i i think i think that that there's something to be said about it they he referenced reading a book he said like let's say you have a 500 page book Mm -hmm. and 
you haven't read it. You're not going to no, crack it open not. and try to read it all night long, which you might try to do if you're Don't. in college. Or, but, but it's never going to work, right? Mm-hmm. But if you took 1% of that book and read five yeah. pages a day. even not let's, let's, let's even break that down even further. Read one page. But you read it every night at 8 o'clock or whatever. You read a single page. Pretty soon you're going to want to read two pages because the story is so good. I'm just going to read to the end of the chapter, whatever. Pretty soon that 500-page 500, that book is done. Well, I think that's one of the keys as well is that there's a saying that I don't know what it is exactly. I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> so Aiden, Give it a try. I want to hear what you think Aiden, it is. You have, to, you have to edit this part. It's something about... It. it's. It, well, you either you if you did it now, wouldn't matter if you did it now. It's three years is going to pass anyway. You know what I mean? Like, right? What yeah. is that? What is that? Where it says like, uh, I don't know the saying, but it's true. The time is going to pass. What what you choose to fill the time with is up to you. You can just do nothing, or you can start on a new little habit or a new little hobby or a new something that I've always wanted to do, but I didn't ever and. Okay, let me let me give you another sports uh, metaphor again. Only it's not a metaphor; it's actually real life. We have started playing pickleball. Pickleball is like a big deal. Lots of people are playing pickleball. It turns out, not surprising to anyone, that my husband is a pickleball <laughs> ninja. Well, he played a lot of tennis. He's played a lot of tennis in his life, but he. Yeah, I mean, it's, I that guess. helps, I think. Is it eye-hand coordination? I think it I is hand-eye coordination. It, yeah. Not so eye-hand like, coordination, but a- hand. Whatever. The hand with the eye and the hitting of the ball. <laughs> See, this is how bad I am. <laughs> Maybe that's why you weren't playing pickleball very well at first. Because I, I was You had your eye and your hand going the, right, going the wrong way. <laughs> Thank you. That's what it was. Um, he's so good that it's just like kind of become a little legendary. And um, so we play a lot of doubles pickleball and I am clearly the weak link. I am. There's no question. Does he get mad at you? I mean, we played with you guys and he doesn't seem to be mad at all. He doesn't get mad. I get mad at me. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not great. So I was asking my friend Toby. Hey, Toby. We love Toby. Um, who listens to the show. Toby's yeah, really good pickleball. She's super good at pickleball. And I said, hey, can you give me um, a phone number of a coach? Because she has actually taken a few lessons and she plays with these sort of next level pickleball That's people. what I need to do. I asked her for her name and she goes, you don't need, you don't need anybody. And I'm like, hey, you've seen me play. What are you talking about? Um, she's like, okay, let me, let me do some research. I'll find somebody for you. Next Why time doesn't she we, just help you? She's good. Next time we met up to play pickleball, she goes, here's a few things. And she gave me like two or three very simple tips. One was the grip on my, the grip I have on my handle of the pickleball racket. And um, the other was sort of the way I move the, the racket through the air. I'm tipping it up. I'm tipping it down. So the ball's just sort of going everywhere. And she's like, just try to, to try maybe to, you know, she's the sweetest. And so she was like, maybe just try this. How about, what about this? This is what someone told me and that worked. So there were like two little strategic, strategic changes that she told me about. I noticed a difference. It wasn't a big difference, but I could tell we weren't losing every game. <laughs> Or Warren wasn't doing all the work. He was still doing like 90% of it. But the work <laughs> I was doing was actually getting some results from two simple little things. So she had her, she gave me her friend's number. I called and talked to him and we're going to meet on Friday just to sort of go over a few things. But it, I don't expect to be great. I just expect to be better than I was, which let me tell you, the bar it you know how low it is just go a couple yards below that and that's where i'm at <laughs> well i think again i think if we're not here to say you know just shoot for the lowest common denominator people mm. but i think what for for we're me not? for what i need to hear often is just do a little bit and that's good enough instead of like take no prisoners i'm going to be the best at everything i mean i really f- am frustrated with myself a lot of times when i'm not really good at something i mean i'm learning to play well, golf and that is really frustrating <laughs> you're also a different person than i am she, denise is very type a and there's a little competitive nature in there that i'm like eh, you know yeah you look how pretty you look denise yay <laughs> 
Look Denise, at your outfit. You're it doing looks so good. Great. And I'm like, listen, if I didn't crush that other person, yeah. I'm not super happy. I've right. learned not to get that competitive anymore because, you know, I really don't care about that. I really am just hard on myself. And I know you are. And but you people need to know that you started golfing because your husband is a big golf fan. That's an understatement. He Golfer. loves to golf. He loves to golf. Yeah. And so you you need you needed to take some lessons to be competitive is not the right word to just sort of hang oh with, you, you know golf's a whole other a whole other level that I think we need to have a podcast on golf because there's a lot of life lessons in golf but um yeah I mean no, so you just you took the you took the initiative and took a lesson that is that's one percent that's taking off a little bite of the apple and giving it a try most people myself would probably be like what do I care I'll just go out there and hack away and big deal I don't care or I just won't go at all instead you're just like no let me contribute something meaningful to this and you you uh, you've taken lessons and you're like putting your best foot forward you didn't have to but that's a that's you're giving it some effort and don't you feel better now about your game and about yourself as a as a person depends on the day but yes (laughs) <laughs> golf is not conducive to feeling good about yourself it's really not it really really isn't I you know getting back to what he said about the the agri what was the um name of the the um it is hold on the aggregation of marginal gains right so when the small gain to for small gains to aggregate you have to participate it in every day so participate in it every day okay so when we were talking about you have to be consistent like there has to be this commitment to this but what how do you do that with when we have so many getting back to the cycling metaphor that he started at the beginning how do you get to a place where your your life's a mess you're just going through a divorce you don't have any money your kids are mad at you because you know their dad's not living there anymore i'm bringing up an example of you know, something, somebody that I know who's struggling with a lot of stuff on their plate, right? Like, how do you take this big, huge problem that you have, no money, you know, not a great job, not a successful marriage now, you're trying to be a mother to three kids and you're by yourself. How do you get to a place where you can do the 1%? I mean, you can barely get out of bed. How do we get to this place? I think that's it though I'm not when you're talking about a situation like that and there's a lot of people who are going through those really it's a really tough time and everything is overwhelming if you get out of bed that's your one percent right I mean that's where I'm what I'm saying I'm saying let's recognize the small things are the one percent you got out of bed are you mm-hmm. le, you set one goal for yourself you know I'm a big note taker I'm a big yep. list maker check it off like I got out of bed I made my bed I yeah. didn't yell at my kid before he went to school. I actually packed a lunch for my kid today. Well, there you go. Now, wait a minute. So let's just say that life is overwhelming you, talking about this this friend that you have. What if you just started making lunches the night before? Well, that, that could be your 1%. That, that's the one you know, thing you do. of that nature. That's the one thing you that's do, thing. right? Yeah. Like I did it the night before, so I didn't have to do it the day of at, oh, dark 30, and I didn't have to yell at my kid because I'm stressed out like take one thing off your list that is stressful in the moment and do it maybe the night before I don't know I'm not a psychologist (laughs) really I just think we've talked (laughs) about anxiety before right I think that life has become one of those hamster wheels for a lot of people because there's so much there's so much going on in our lives that the reminder of this talk and again it was a spiritual nature because he was talking about really finding a spiritual sense and, and taking it a little bit at a time and making sure that you did something every day to enhance that spirituality. But it can be anything, right? And maybe it is your spirituality. I, I believe right. I'm a big believer in mind, body, and spirit. You have to be balanced in your life. Again, that balance doesn't come by just loading up on everything all at one time. It's little tiny things every single day in little increments and here's something that he said in his talk and I'm going to I'm going to quote Michael Dunn he said um, to seek modest but makeable fixes that okay makeable a makeable fix 
listen, I grew up in a home where there was all kinds of fad dieting and crash dieting. So one day you'd come home and all the sugar would have been removed from the house. Oh, yeah. And it's like that, that's not a, a mark, makeable fix. It's just, it's, you, you, we tend to do these things where it's like, all of a sudden, I'm just going to remove this thing from my life. And therefore, I will never want it again. Therefore, I won't crave it. Even when my body's telling me you really need a Snickers right now, because it won't be there, I won't eat it, right? That's not really a, a, a makeable fix. Well, I mean, look at the AAs. What does AA talk about, right? They talk about literally one day at a time. Yes, and that's what it is. It, it literally is. I mean, you you cannot, I mean, sugar is a huge drug, but we're talking about, there is a lot of drugs and alcohol issues right now. And I know there's a lot of people struggling with that. And, you know, food is another drug that a lot of people struggle with. And yeah. just anything that, anything you're struggling with, again, stop being hard on yourself. Take it a yeah. little bit at a time. I liked one of the things that he said was there was a mustard seed mentality, right? Where you just literally take a little grain. Your faith is like a mustard seed. That is part of the scriptures. I love mm -hmm. that idea that it's just small, small, small increments of something. And he said, you can't go from Attila the Hun to Mother Teresa in one day. Right. <laughs> like, so great. You can't, yes. you can't expect yourself. You might be a terrible person today. You're not going to be Mother Teresa tomorrow. You're absolutely not. You, and that's the thing. It would be you, nice if you could, but if it was that easy, we'd all be doing it. And there'd be a lot more nice people in the world, right? That's not yeah. going to happen. It reminds me of the Dickens play, A Christmas Carol, where he's the most horrible person on the planet and has has an awakening after a night of spending time with three ghosts and the next day he's suddenly he's suddenly a, a, a great human who uh is charitable and, and loves everyone that's great for for a dickens story but that's not really that's not really how it's done right you, right you, could, you don't have a nightmare one night wake up the next day and go that's it i'm i am a different person let's put these pants on and, and go to work kind of thing. It's like, no, just take it one, just take it one tiny mustard seed at a time. Yeah, I, I think I liked hearing what he had to say and made me feel hopeful. It made me feel mm -hmm. like it was realistic enough that I could accomplish it. Yeah, he also said, and let me quote him here, because every effort to change we make, no matter how tiny it seems to us, just might make the biggest difference in your life. I like that because it's one of those things. It's like, you don't know what's going to happen if you stop eating all the bread. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. I'm going to want another piece. You could. How about you just have one piece of bread instead of the entire basket of bread that they bring out for you at Zove's? Why don't you just have the one roll instead of all of the roll? It just might make the biggest difference in your life because then tomorrow I don't have to have any bread. You know what I'm saying? Just it. You just don't know what the one little difference that you implement, you don't know what that's going to do to your life. I can't, I can't agree more. I mean, again, it's just one of those things that you have to remember to do. You have to be active in your own journey. I think you have to be present too. You have to say, okay, like, like intentional. Said, she, she loves to make lists. She loves to take a note or two here and there. And I think you, if there's something that you want to do, I think you have to write it down because that, at least for me, that sort of holds me as, you know, like, look, you, you said you were going to do this, you know, give it a try. I've always been a, a goal setter. And again, are you a New Year's Eve resolution? Oh, maker? you better believe it. Most of the time. I mean, there's always something that I'm trying to do as I've gotten older and I've kind of narrowed down my philosophy of life, which is mind, body and spirit. I really feel that. So every New Year's, I'm always like, okay, how am I going to conquer this year and be better? Like, mm -hmm. I want to be better. So, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to read my scriptures every day. I'm going to, but again, just going to this concept, this New Year's, maybe I don't do that. Maybe I say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to read my scriptures three days a week. And maybe I'm going to work out three days a week. You know what I mean? Like, I'm mm -hmm. not going. Mm -hmm. All in ham on the whole thing. All yeah. hamming on the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just hard to find a balance in society now, I feel like. So I, I think the concept is is really good. It's just how do you 
how do you keep how do you track make- of it? And how do you how do you make commitments to making sure you do it? Uh okay. That's a Are you a New a Year's question. resolution person? No, I'm not a New Year's resolution person. Going back to my childhood again, that it was I'm like scarred from <laughs> the the resolutions because other people in the house were making resolutions that had nothing to do with me or my siblings and you know, the adults in the house are the ones who control your life when you're a kid. So you didn't get any sugar for like the first 3 months of of the year maybe like the first week let's be real because <laughs> because we weren't real good at sticking to it either yeah so, there was no one percent going on there was no one percent happening so i think it's really important to if you're a new year's resolution maker and that's your gig you should totally do that i i look for places in life not necessarily new year's eve or new year's day where it it's an obvious fit okay, I just went and got my teeth cleaned. I am going to floss twice daily. This is just a random example. I am going to floss twice daily because I love, you know, hearing my dentist do a little cheer for me that there's no cavities and tell me I'm the most boring patient he has, which is actually, that's true. He has done that Um, because I don't don't mean to brag. have a cavity. I don't mean to brag, but I, I, I don't have any cavities. But I think it's one of those things. It's like, well, I've started this new thing. There's been a little bit of a switch in my brain. I've gone and done this one thing. How do I keep that feeling? Yeah, I don't. I I'm. I wish I could be better at this. This is my. This is my new. It's not a New Year's resolution. I'm not looking to do a New Year's resolution in the middle of the year because it's not time yet. So let's wait till that happens. Let's wait till January. But I mean, I I am looking at this as a opportunity to re. I guess reorganize myself. And reinvest in myself. I think that is part of having enough of yourself that you feel good about. You want you want you want to value yourself enough put to put the time into who you are. And I think that is somewhat difficult for people, especially moms mm-hmm. who or women in general who have a lot on their plate and there's a lot that is expected of us. So you I have to value who you are enough to say I'm important enough that I'm going to focus on what's important. Hod and I, I was back to goal setting. I used to be a real big goal setter. And when Hod and I were first married, one of the things we did was we would make goals as a couple. And I I cannot tell you how good that was for our relationship, first of all. It put us on the same page when it came to money, when it came to what we wanted to accomplish throughout the year. We were starting a business, so we needed to be all on the same page and working together and and living together and and loving together that's a lot of stuff to do together right and so we needed to all be on the same page we were living in a one-bedroom apartment um next to a freeway where we could hear gunshots like we were living in an apartment that wasn't great and we wanted to get out of there and we needed to set a goal so that we could save the money to, to do that and buy a house our very first house we used to put the goals on the refrigerator mm-hmm. and I read that somewhere and it, it stuck for a long time. And I had my kids when they went to college, we met with them every every other month for a while when they first started school. And then we would meet with them every quarter after they would finish a semester or whatever. We would meet with them and reset new goals for them based on what they wanted to accomplish. I'm a big believer in setting goals and making it known to others, um, making a commitment because sometimes we don't hold ourselves as accountable as we should, but other people will. And so I'm not saying air your dirty laundry. I, I'm going to stop drinking, you know, all the, the drinks in the world, all my alcohol consumption. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell everybody what my dirty secrets are. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I just found it really beneficial for me to put it out there and say, you know what, I'm going to save 10% of my income. I'm going to, you know, exercise four days a week. I'm going to save so we can go on a vacation. Whatever it is, I think making people yourself help be accountable so that you stay consistent is is kind of a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, not to not to punish the other people in in your life, but to make to bring them in. Like, here's what we're trying to do. And and some people don't care. I mean, we used to have it on the on the refrigerator, and some people were like, "Why are you doing? Why is this up there?" Well, because I want to be I want to be held accountable. You're reading mm-hmm. it right now. Now you're going to ask me, so are you guys going on vacation next week? Are you going to mm-hmm. be able to do it or not? You know, those types of things where it just makes you accountable. Again, it comes down to 
having the desire and putting yourself, valuing yourself enough to be consistent with what you're doing so that you feel good about what you, who you are and what you're about. It's hard. Yeah, it's it's a hard thing. He also mentioned in his talk this book that we're going to, we'll post a link to on our Instagram and Facebook pages so that you guys can see it. I've, I've got it up on my um, Amazon account right now. It's called Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. And it's by a gentleman named James Clear, C-L-E-A-R, Atomic Habits. It also, just doing a little research, it, he has like a workbook and um, like a little schedule thing that you can get as well beyond the book. But the book itself is, um, I think, is probably where I would start and one of the and then of course in on the Amazon website they have a couple highlights from the book a few quotes here and there which I think are fun one of the quotes says um, decide the type of person that you want to be prove it to yourself with small wins I like that a small win I think defining what a small win is is the key well then that's up to you the individual a small win for me is not going to be the same as a small win for somebody else Exactly. You know I mean? For me, somebody like me, I sometimes tend to make small wins very insignificant because they're small. But again, I think that's everybody, isn't? Well, I'm no, no, no. I mean, I see, I see what you're saying, but I think a, a small win is can be insignificant, but it, it is still yours. Exactly. Still you your have to recognize win. it, but you have to be that. You have to be okay with one percent. You have to be okay with. I'm okay with this small win being significant enough to value it, right? I don't think you're okay with it until, at least for me, I'm not okay with it until we're three months down the road and you look back and go, wait a minute. But I think you have to, I think when you're talking about this 1%, it's because it's every day, it might be every every hour. It literally could be literally at a place where you can't think about it three months I can't even go to three months. I have to go to the end of this day. I'm going to go to sleep and then I'm going to wake up the next day and I'm going to make it happen. And then all of a sudden, I'm done a week. Okay. I'm not looking at the three month look ahead. I'm looking at the one day ahead, one hour ahead sometimes, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, because it could be that intense for you. It could be that hard and that's okay. It's yeah, really, it it's really just taking it incrementally 1%. And again, everybody's 1% is different. You cannot compare your 1% to somebody else's. <sighs> Absolutely not. And I think that's, uh social media. We are both, it's a love-hate relationship that we all have, I think, well, most of us have with social media is that, you know, there's, I... I love Instagram. I love getting on there and looking at before and after pics. And, you know, I love the interior design um, people that are on there and they show all kinds of fun, inspirational stuff. I get tons of ideas from that. But at the same time, oh man, it's a, just a depressing place to be. It's like, well, I don't, mine's mine's not going to look like that when I'm done painting my canvas. Right, right. You know? Your canvas doesn't need to look like the other people. That's the whole it point. It doesn't. That's what you got to get in your head. I am pounding on my dome right now because it's like I don't know how you unprogram that but you can't compare you have to look at what people have and appreciate it for because it's theirs you can't look at it and appreciate it in some way like it because it's not yours it's not yours you have to get that in your head I'm pounding on my head again don't do it it's it's easier for women our age I think because it's like been there, done that. I know that this is not something that I can achieve, but I actually am concerned about my nieces. <laughs> She's laughing at me because I'm still pounding I'm videoing her right now. That's why. <laughs> so I'm concerned about people who are my niece's age, mid-20s to 18, who look at some of that stuff on Instagram and I'm like, girls, don't look away and my nieces the three of them are the younger two are like we're not even they're they're like we don't even know who you're talking to auntie we don't look i I, don't look at instagram i think uh, the older one is like i look at it because i need ideas on how to grow an avocado tree from an avocado seed they they have they have their act together enough to get it yes they do but i think which is more than i can say for myself i think the society in general we have gotten ourselves to a place of ridiculous expectations and unrealistic outcomes for pretty much Mm -hmm. anything we're doing. I mean, we see the best of the best always, right? You watch television and 
You watch a cyclist, for example. We'll go back to that. Listen, mm-hmm. those people put in hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours to get to where they're at. You just need to ride you down never, the street. Yeah. You never see what's actually happening behind the curtain. I, when my son was little, I think with every boy, he wanted to be a professional whatever player baseball player a professional hockey player whatever it was that's he wanted to be a professional one and I'm like I wish I could explain to you what that takes and it's not all we're seeing is the end result of a whole bunch of people who have spent years working on something and I'm not talking about professional athletes because they deserve all the kudos the amount of time they put into it but I'm talking about the stuff that is meaningless and suddenly they're like, oh, I'm famous. Oh, look how, you know, whatever. All of that social media, that crap that social media is trying to sell you, it's not real. And so, you know, if you're giving your 1% to being that, I don't know. No, no, that's not a good use of your 1% of time. So if we had one takeaway from this, if we had a tag from all of this, what what do you think it would be? There's so many to choose from. Um I mean, just the the name of his talk, A, is called 1% Better. And just knowing that within the, you know, confines of what we've been talking about today, um, I love that as just a quote, just 1% better. I'm going to put that somewhere um, on my phone or on a mirror or something so that I can remember what I'm sort of working towards. That's our takeaway. So that to me, you think so? I do. I think that's it. That's right. That's right. Th- there is a quote that I love that could also be our tag, but I like one percent better. It's just basic. It it's easy to remember. One percent better. One percent every day. Um, inst- we'll tell your tag. This is this is the the quote that I like. Instead of trying to perfect everything, what if we tackle just one thing? I love it. I love it too. I love I, it. I love that, and I love one percent better. Yeah. yeah. So, so today it's a two for tag. Yeah, it's a two for tag. Wow, listen to us. There's a lot of firsts going on for us, isn't there? Oh my goodness, yeah. So again, we'll let you know on our um, on our oh our Instagram and our Facebook. We'll put a link. But the the book is called Atomic Habits, and it's by James Clear. And the talk is called One Percent Better, and it's by Michael A. Dunn, D U N N. If you want to listen to it for yourself, it's just on the internet. Just do a little Google search, and you'll find it. It's very inspirational, but it's also sort of like some practical magic there for you. Yep. I love it. Thanks for, I'm glad we were able to do this. This is fun. It's like, it's like you're right here with me, but you're not. Oh, so sad, but also so happy. Look at us being so so techie. So we're two average girls. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. We will see you next time on Two Average Girls. In the meantime, we would love for you to get on there, rate, review, subscribe, and follow on all the platforms that offer up our podcasts, which includes Google and Amazon, as well as Apple. Uh, We'll see you next time. Bye. Two